0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes.
1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie. Critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. And welcome back to the of the Clear Jets Podcast. We Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael. Another tough Jets loss. Another game where you felt the Jets could have won, perhaps uh, outperformed some expectations around the league, but alas, couldn't come up uh, in the end. The Jets also didn't get too lucky uh, with today's uh, AFC slate of games. Uh, they did seemingly dodge a bullet with the Quentin Williams injury. We'll see what the full report says um, tomorrow, or by the time you're listening, you might already know. Um, but Michael, you know it was it was an up and down day. There's some some good to talk about for sure um definitely some bad to talk about and you know sitting here late on a sunday night actually early monday morning technically a little bit of a somber tone around jets twitter but i'll say this the jets s- still have the goal right in front of them they have to take care of business the next few weeks but they're in a position now where if they can beat the, the lions next week if they can beat the jaguars and thursday night football and they can beat the seahawks i think you're talking about a team that does ultimately sneak into the playoffs so we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about the playoff picture, but I want to get your initial thoughts to today's game against the Bills.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is not a game that either of us expected them to win. I'm pretty sure. I, I,
0: did, I predicted a Mike did you White game-winning drive. You I did have the Mike prediction? White, which wasn't, honestly, th- there was an opportunity for the game-winning drive. It wasn't too crazy, it was. but yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, I didn't go with the Jets in my prediction. I did not expect them to win this game. Um, And I think collectively, most people kind of were on that side of the fence. We all knew they had definitely a chance to win this game, especially because of, you know, they beat them last time. I think they upgraded their talent in a lot of areas since then. Um, But at the same time, the Bills had a lot of upgrades coming into this game. You know, much different Bills team. Milano was out there, which Mike White was well aware of. (laughs) Um, Tredavious White, uh, Jordan Poyer. So despite Von Miller being out there, I think having – all those guys are the pieces that made the bills, the bills, you know, they, they established themselves as this team with those guys as the core before Miller was there. And it's the continuity and the chemistry between that entire three levels of the defense that makes them what they are. And having all those pieces made them much more dangerous team. So kind of offset some of the jets additions, but you know, bottom line, like we thought the jets had a good chance to win this game. Um, they could compete in it, but You know, looking at this portion of the schedule, you know, the opportunity to do damage here in this middle to third quarter portion. It was those two Pats games. It was the Vikings game. That's where they really should have done some damage by splitting with the Bills. I think everyone would have signed up for that prior to the year. Um, And even going into this game, like, you knew if you can get a split with the Bills, that's okay. So um, losing some of those winnable games previously, the two Patriots games and the Vikings game that's what puts you in this muddy situation here much more so than this game i think but um you're still in the position here where this is the portion of the schedule that you look at that we have been looking at for the past few weeks and figure this is where they could do some damage and it would have been much more preferable if they were able to steal one of these games here and put themselves in a more comfortable spot but if you're a playoff team i think you do damage with this slate here at the end of the schedule and you find a way to take control of your own destiny and get in. So we'll talk more about that um, road ahead, but yeah, in this particular game, I mean, it's good that they fought again. Um, Not a blowout game. They have not had a blowout loss really since the beginning of the year. If you want to even count those as blowout losses. Um, So it's good. They went in there and competed. The defense played really, really well. I think, especially considering Quinn Williams was out for half this game. Um, And then just offensively, couldn't get it going so um it's good to have another one of those competitive losses to a 10-win team and all that but you know if you want to make the playoffs moral victories do not count as we know so um i think they played solid football the last couple of weeks considering the opponents but um weren't able to steal one of those victories so now you really got to clean up and uh take full advantage of some of the softer teams on the schedule not that those teams are even soft at this point um uh, that's no. the way they're playing but uh um, much, much more manageable than I think the last couple of games. So we'll see if they could take the way they played against these two 10 plus win teams and kind of do that against teams that aren't quite as good. And hopefully that turns into some wins, but um, yeah, there's some good and bad in this game and uh, we'll dive into all that right now, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, this really did feel like a, a division football game. I mean, not just yeah. the Northeast yeah. Buffalo weather, Uh, But these two teams are trying to kill each other with every hit. And you alluded to some that Mike White took. uh, Obviously, left uh, the stadium in an ambulance. Seems like it was precautionary. He did join um, the team flight back home. We'll we'll see if there's an update on his ribs. I imagine at the very least, he has some bruised ribs. The fact that he came back into the game leads me to believe that he probably didn't break any ribs. But they'll check him for, you know, internal injuries and and whatnot. Um, Yeah, I mean, division football, tough game. Um, and if you were to tell me that the Jets are going to lose Corey Davis and Quinn Williams for the majority of this game, um, both of whom made plays early, I mean, Quinn especially looked like he was in for in store for a big game um, and that they would lose Mike White for a, a few series, uh, including, you know, where the Jets can do anything with Flacco and including a, a Flacco fumble. Uh, and that the Jets would have a chance to to win it in the end, and Carter fumbles it, and that they still drive back down. I mean, like you said, there's some good. This team clearly uh, has a lot of fight of them, if a lot of fight in them. They don't quit, um, and they did battle through some adversity. But if some things broke their way. If, if Quinnen stayed healthy, if if Corey Davis stays healthy, maybe the Jets walk out of here with a win. Um, but you know, it, it did feel like it would be a tough ass to to sweep Buffalo. I did like Coach Sala's message after after the game though, which was you know, we'll see these guys again. And maybe that won't be true. Maybe it will be, but I'll tell you this, if the jets are going to make any sort of playoff run, they're going to have to go into Buffalo again, and they're going to have to play this team again. And at the very least you saw today that the jets can certainly go into that environment and beat Buffalo. These two teams didn't look like they were playing a completely different sport, which has been the case. You know, I know this is not news at this point for this team, but go back to last year against the bills or the year before that. I mean, Obviously, we've already known this, so it's maybe a bit repetitive, but these aren't the same old Jets. They can beat anybody. And two back-to-back close losses against two 10-win teams on the road, it's not the worst thing in the world. The Jets yeah. could have helped themselves out with, with some other wins this season, but all things considered, the way Mike the way Mike White looked and the fact that Quinnen's injury doesn't seem to be a season-ender, I'm not maybe as bummed, surprised, I'm already in the coping uh, part of the process of post game, But, you know, it's not like we should be doing a celebration. I agree.
1: I agree. And I know we kind of had the same narrative last game and they couldn't really translate it here. But I think that is an important thing to keep in mind. And, like, yeah, you're trying to make the playoffs. And, look, we don't need to tell you that it sucks when you're trying to make the playoffs and you're not winning games. But I think at the same time, when you look at, you know, a team outlook standpoint and you look at the last two games and, you know, you pretty much dominate the Vikings, but you just couldn't finish in the red zone. Um, and then you go go into Buffalo, and you deal with all those big injuries that happened in the middle of the game. Um, and you still play them to the end, and you outgain them, and you come within one score, and really just you know a couple fumbles away from this being a very competitive game, if not one you win. And like it. it's exciting going forward if you can sneak into the playoffs obviously at some point you have to actually win the games and get into the playoffs but um if they are able to do that you can look back on all these games and what they put together and just realize like they're going to be in every single game until the end and that's how you compete in the playoffs and if you're a team that makes every single game competitive and close at the end you're always going to have a chance because you know some teams aren't quite like that and they get blown out occasionally like Look at the Vikings, for example. And, you know, not to say I wouldn't rather be in their position because they have 10 wins, the Jets have seven, but that's a team that's been blown out three times now this season, pretty much. And when you're kind of susceptible to getting blown out, like you never know what team is going to show up. And you just might walk onto the field in the playoffs, not have your best day, and have no shot of doing anything. But this Jets team, every single game, regardless of who they played, um, they have been ready to play and they've made it a game until the end and every single one of their games that they've lost this year i think you could just look at a couple plays and you flip those results you know big turning point plays like turnovers stuff like that and you could very much see them winning so uh, that is the positive side of this i think that's the way you look at it but obviously now you have to actually make that count by taking care of business and winning the games you need to win to actually get in but uh, i think in like you look at these last two games, and it would have been great to have one of them. But in regards to what it says about how dangerous the Jets could be if they do sneak into the playoffs, I think it's it's still quite positive. You know, you now look at two Bills games; they gave up thirty-seven points between the two of them, and and this game, even though the Bills had twenty points on the board, I mean, how many drives were in this game because of how little the Jets were doing? The Bills had a ton of possessions in this game, so the twenty points they got is actually. You know, less than that, considering how many and, times and they he got, got the spotted, ball. and they got
0: spotted with the Mosley penalty and the Flacco fumble. Yeah, and they
1: got good field position from those, so it really is more impressive than twenty points might look. Uh, as good as that already is, considering the opponent. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, no one wants to hear all this positivity when we're trying to make the playoffs, <laughs> but I think it's you know important to yeah, you know keep come that on, in man. mind because there are levels to losing. Like getting blown out <laughs> is not good. Like you wouldn't rather lose twenty nothing or anything like that i think you know whenever you lose you're trying to take as much out of it as possible because that's the thing about football there's so few games in the season that every game is a huge opportunity to learn something about what the team is because you never really have a great idea because of that small sample of an nfl season and especially when it's a team like the jets that are in a transitional stage you know in their rebuild you know, they're not established. We don't know for real if they're good. So every game they have like this, regardless of the fact that, you know, they couldn't win it, which obviously matters. I think the fact that they are you know playing toe to toe with these great teams it gives you confidence going forward. So um, got to start converting it into more wins. But I think there's a lot, still a lot positive to take away. But But we will throw the criticism where it's due. We are definitely going to get into that with this one.
0: Yeah, I would say this. Um, playoffs start now for the Jets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's just how you have to look at this. Um, and the, the thing that I think you can take some comfort in uh, is, you know, the Jets lose the ability to drop one of these easy games, and you shouldn't even call them easy games. I mean, look, the Lions just beat the Vikings. They've won five of the last six. You know, they're going to come in to, to MetLife all amped up next week. And the Jaguars have been sneaky. They just beat the Titans today. And the Seahawks have been a, a problem, you know, the entire season. So none of these games are quote unquote easy, but they're games. The Jets should win. And if the Jets could have done some damage in this middle part of the schedule, you know, you mentioned the two new England games and obviously the the last two, they would have bought themselves the leeway to, to potentially, you know, drop a dumb game. But the way I view it now is with their backs against the wall, if they drop a dumb game here, they probably weren't going to make the playoffs any, or probably weren't going to make a playoff run anyway. You know, right, if this yeah. team is, is the Cinderella story that we think it could be. And the, the fact that they, you know, if they can sneak into the tournament, they can play with anybody that we've already learned that. Um, But if they, if they can take care of business these next few weeks, you know, that they can do that. But if, if they lose one of these games, yes, they probably won't make the playoffs, but even if they did, I think the confidence I'd have in them to not, you know, to really make a run and not just, you know, lose in the first round or maybe win a game and losing the second round is, is a lot higher. So it's like playoff start and the jets just have to take care of business. These, this, this game next week is a must win. Probably the next three are must wins. I know people are a little upset about the, uh, the, the dolphins losing. It would have made things a little cleaner. um, If the Chargers could have also lost and we'll see what happens to the Patriots um, tonight, but we pointed this out of the pregame pod, you know, dolphins play the bills next week. If they lose that game, it's, assuming the jets take care of business the next three weeks, they'll have an opportunity for at least a winning end game against, uh, against the dolphins at the end of the year. And, you know, they've already beat the dolphins. I think you like how they match up. I know they're obviously scary, but it all starts next Sunday against the lions. But now it kind of feels like, all right, it's playoff time. We wanted this. We wanted December competitive football with the jets, you know, hanging around, you know, with the chance to to punch their ticket into the tournament and they have that opportunity. Um, so yeah, I guess we could hop into hop into this game. I know you were like, let's talk about some of the negatives. Let's get there. But I want to start with Mike White because I think in terms of in-game storylines, he's the biggest one. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm spacing on uh, what what was the name of the Karate Kid that Tony Romo said when he Daniel Larusso. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought yeah. that was such a funny line. Good line. Pretty <laughs> yeah. <good> line. <laughs> Daniel Larusso is gonna. Fu- yeah. I mean that's. I love that. Tony Romo is great. There is there's not there's not a lot. I know people I know people have uh, mixed opinions on Tony Romo. I love him. I think uh, watching him break down good Jets quarterback play on a Sunday afternoon is is about as good as it gets. Um, But obviously, what a gritty, tough performance from Mike White. I've seen some people criticizing him for losing, and the fact that the Jets were 5-2 with Zach, those people don't know what they're talking about. Mike White's now put together three borderline great quarterback performances in a row. Uh, This was tough conditions. His O-line was getting him killed every snap, and he was a guy who's hanging in the pocket, hanging tough. And delivering strike after strike, he really didn't have many bad plays. I think he took some stat- sacks, maybe, that you wish he didn't. And then right, you know, yeah. he had the, the last fourth down, got batted down. And But, you know, he took care of the football. The last time he played this team, he threw four interceptions. That wasn't the case. And he certainly, you know, I don't want to say he did enough to win because he didn't, but he could have with the, type of the way he was playing, you know what I mean? Like he, he didn't lose yeah. him. He didn't lose this game for them is, I guess, the best way of putting it. So what did you make of, uh, of Mike White's performance? Yeah, I was
1: impressed yet again. And this was going to be the big test for him, like we said, going in. We called it the prove-it game. And for for all intents and purposes, I really think he did prove it in the sense that, um, you know, he over like you said, this is the same team he threw four picks against last year now he's playing them on the road in the elements you know with playoff pressure and he goes in there and i think within what he could control i think he was really good again and you know everyone's going to come out here with the box score stats so you know how many yards box score stats rating? aren't that
0: box score stats aren't even that bad but it's like but just like you know the zero touchdowns
1: like they had 10 points what's his passer rating yeah. he's one and two like all this nonsensical surface level stuff that means absolutely nothing. But if you actually watch the game with your eyeballs, then you could see like, I mean, this guy's standing in there getting his ribs shattered every other play and making big time throw after big time throw. And it's, it's kind of unfortunate how this has worked out for the jets because the way he's played the last few games, you're definitely winning both those past games. I think you might win those Ravens and Bengals games at the beginning of the year too, because like, Unfortunately, in this Bills game, and I think at times in the Vikings game, like the support just has happened to not be quite as good as it was at times in previous games. Uh, in the Vikings game, he was protected well, but the separation was not great. He had to make a lot of contested throws, and this one terrible pass protection this is probably the worst offensive line performance of the season. Um, and you know, there's just not going to be a huge ceiling for your offense and the numbers you could put up when your quarterback's getting hit that frequently, especially when you're playing in that weather against that defense, um, really no one was separating other than Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. Uh, they really missed Corey Davis because um, we know Denzel Mims is not really a separator and he missed some catchable passes he could have had. So it's, it's also, also it, 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 it's the 50, yeah.
0: 50 balls over the middle. It's those dig routes, yeah. those slants. Right. I mean, you saw it at the end of the game, they're, they're throwing to Barrios in the red zone. It's like that. Those are Davis's plays. That's where they really right. missed him and in the run game.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, bottom line, and, you know, we'll we'll see it more on the film when it comes out, but, like, when you're evaluating a quarterback, you just got to look at him and, you know, each play, what did he do versus what was presented to him? You can't look at the whole game and say, you know, how many yards did he have, what was completion percentage, and all that stuff that just lacks so much context. You have to, you know, look at a play-by-play, you know, who was open, how much pressure was there, how difficult was the throw he had to make. And you consider those factors, and you evaluate him based on that. And the first two games, I think, when you look at him in that lens, he was, I would say, great in the Bears game, then good in the Vikings game, and then I think this was another good game. You know, I, like you said, there there's a couple sacks where I really don't know why he didn't get rid of the ball. Um, other than that, and he probably misfired on a couple of throws, I'm forgetting about. But and we'll have to see the decision making once we see the All 22. But Just for the second straight game, the big time throws, I mean, third and how many third and longs? Because a first down penalty, a first down stuffed run, second down stuffed run. And he's like making throws outside the numbers, just dropping it in along the sideline, tough throws over the middle. Again, oftentimes while being crushed while doing it. Um, So I don't know how you can't be very impressed with what Mike White has done through three games. I think he's clearly earned the job for the remainder of this season, and this game is a big step forward for me in in making his case for next year. There's still four games to go, so he has definitely not proven or clinched that yet, but I think he's adding to his case week by week, Um, so it will be interesting when it's all said and done um, how he factors into the quarterback position next year and whether he can make a, a claim for that starting quarterback job. But with performances like this, I really think he's making a case for it. So, um, so yeah, I think Mike White in this game, throw out the numbers or the fact that they lost or the points on the board. Just look at him. What is he doing um, when considering the circumstances and focus on what he can control? I think this was another really solid game. He was the least of their problems in this game, I think.
0: Yeah, we we might get some hate for for asking this, but I think it's relevant. If Zach Wilson's the quarterback, how different does this game look in your eyes? I know it's a hypothetical. I think we saw that. I think we saw that in Week 18 last year, what it would look like. Right. I I I think that's a pretty good comparison. I mean, well, he he has a better supporting cast around him, so it might have looked a little different. And you're right. like He he may have gone in and, and had as good of a game as White, if not better, but there are some throws in there. And especially, you saw the plays where Mike White was taking those hits. Those are the exact yeah. same plays where Zach Wilson's running 15 yards behind the right. line of scrimmage. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the
1: difference. I think on a lot of those throws, Mike White made. You know, Zach Wilson probably dodges it and then gets outside the pocket, but then he probably just throws it away. So I think, uh, you know, the Jets. Even though the Jets had 10 points in this game, they like they didn't go three and out that often. They did have some drives going. They could just never sustain it long enough to get points out of it, which you obviously want to do, but, you know, still could have been more disastrous. Like, they did have some flashes. And I think if Zach Wilson played the way he has been playing this season, I think you probably would have seen something a lot closer to that uh, New England game where there's just not even that, you know, not even the signs of hope. So, yeah, like Mike White's ability to stand in the pocket and just make throws while accepting those hits is exactly what I I want to see from Zach Wilson. I wanted Sam Darnold to be better at that. And they just never seem to be able to develop that part of their game. But Mike White really has it down. He's as tough as it gets. And you know, he's willing to stand in there and take those hits if it means he could throw with. Proper mechanics and throw accurately, so it's it's been a huge ability these last couple of games.
0: Yeah, the one thing I'll say for White, and I, I tweeted this out, and so I think some people didn't really get what I was saying, is he's got to add some weight in the off season, and that doesn't mean that he, you know, if he was 15 pounds heavier, he would have eaten that shot from Milano much better. He still probably exits the game, but because he's a pocket passer, because he sh- he's so tough, and he'll hang in there and he'll take those shots to deliver strikes over the middle you know, unless he adds some weight to that six, five frame, I don't know how, how well he'll hold up. And you've already seen him go down in multiple games, you know, multiple times where he's, you know, a lot of it's the offensive line's fault. And I'm not saying this is to like blame Mike what I'm just saying in terms of his viability as a long-term quarterback in this league, I think you've seen a lot to really like a lot to say, Oh, this is a guy that we could start next year. He could be your opening day quarterback, but with his style of play in today's NFL, if he's not a guy who can make a lot of guys miss, he did have one sack that he avoided that I thought was pretty cool. And then he ran right into another one, but um, he's got, he's got to add some weight to that frame. And I think the other thing that's very clear uh, is Zach Wilson should be QB too. I think that's, that's pretty obvious because as, as up and down as he might be, (laughs) <laughs> hey, you know what? Flacco did win us that Cleveland game, so you know I'm not going to go Which too It Just makes it even game. more of a miracle. I'll, I'll say this: I'll yeah, exactly. I'll say this for Flacco. I know he's not the oldest guy to ever play the quarterback position, but I've certainly sure never, it. I've never seen a guy look as old playing quarterback <laughs> as Joe Flacco. I mean, that was those brutal series. So I think Zach Wilson should be quarterback too. And if White goes down again, then you get to inject Zach after three plus weeks of, of sitting on the sideline and see what he's made of. But I think that gives him a much better chance to win. I think you can say that unequivocally, especially with all the injuries to the offensive line Uh, than the Flacco at this point. I mean, it, when he was out there, I was like, Oh, well, they're not winning yeah. at all. You know? And then that moment where Mike White ran back onto the field, I think you could tell it sparked the team. Um, And even just the way he was fighting through those hits. I mean, you wonder why Mike White seems to have all the respect of his teammates, not just because of, uh is on the field play but just you know this is a guy obviously fighting for his career but also just fighting for his for his teammates and uh i think this was a really admirable performance for mike white and i know he already had the respect of his i shouldn't say i know it but it seems like he already had the respect of his of his teammates and he uh certainly earned a little bit more uh with this performance let's run through some good okay we're gonna get to the bad let's run through some good though to take out of this game mike white have to have to feel good about garrett wilson Obviously, he set the uh, Jets franchise rookie receiving record, but absolute stud and a guy that you could see being a top five receiver and sooner rather than later in this league. Zonovan Knight also seemingly could be huge down the stretch because he's a damn good football player. You know, the Jets are very lucky to have a guy like that, especially with how disappointing Michael Carter's been. Um, Also, shout out any other uh, any good any other positives, if, if you think of any Bryce Huff. Legit, yeah, and yeah. and we'll get to Carl Lawson in a second. But Bryce Huff needs to be playing more. I know he's great in the yeah. role, but I know he's great as a situational third down pass rusher. But he needs to be playing on all passing situations. He he needs to be out there on second and longs. He needs to be out there on some first and tens. He is a damn good football player, and he wins his one on one more than he loses. And you can't say the same for for Carl Lawson, who is a very good football player, recovering from an extremely difficult injury to recover from and it might take him He might be even better next year that he's been two years removed from it but as we were tweeting about and talking about this past week it's a business the jets can free up 15 million by cutting or trading him and barring a great last four weeks of the season slash playoffs he's not going to be a jet next year because i got to pay a lot of guys and including huff and so carl lawson got to step it up we were doing the good things sorry we're gonna go back to lawson uh i thought mosley brutal penalty but i thought he played a good game i think he showed especially in that last drive to give the jets a chance um you know he's the unequivocal veteran leader of this team and super smart player um but that penalty inexcusable but i'll still throw him in the positives and then uh the jets dbs again did a nice job with handling Stephon Diggs and uh and uh, this Bill's passing offense. I thought Sauce Gardner had a great pass breakup. He had another play that goes unheralded, but I bet you will be uh, highlighted by Brian Baldinger. You'll see it. Somebody will post it at Jets X Factor, but it was the, I think it was right before that breakup. But did you see him he, when he ran across the field to stop that run play? Yeah, that's a big play. Yeah. Um. So he had another good game. I think that might be it. I know Zerline hit like a 60-yarder in warmups, but I don't know if that counts to throw him into the good. Any other Uh, positive? Could have been a great
1: game for talking about a warm-up field goal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to think of anything. Uh, Any any other positives?
1: Uh, I guess we could throw Elijah Moore in there. He had six catches for sixty yards. Johnson block
0: punt. Jermaine Johnson block punt. Jermaine block
1: punt. That was big. Stepping Um, in for
0: Michael Clemens. Yeah, I guess we could throw in those two. Um, Well, do I expand on any of those topics? Maybe Garrett Wilson. How impressive he is. I mean, there's not much else to say. Yeah, I mean, said but.
1: Yeah, I mean, what
0: else can you say? Just the separation
1: was... A lot of the catches he made were were third and long. He had press coverage on him and was just able to shake it and get that separation. So um, even though he went 6 for 78 in this game, I feel like it is maybe further up on the effectiveness of his games than just the 78 yards, might say. And and I love that 78 yards is kind of a low number for this guy. We've come a long way. That used (laughs) to be like the crown jewel for a Jets rookie. Yeah, the, but uh yeah. like that would be the one game you look back on as why he's gonna be great. But nevertheless, I think it was they were high quality catches, even if they weren't the hugest chunks of yards. Um Bryce Huff, uh Quinnen kind of stole his one sack. Uh did I he not Bryce, get a half on that? Yeah he didn't get a half sack on that. It went right, they gave well. it full to Quinton. I don't know why. Maybe they'll change that because I think I it's we remember, I he got remember him at the Huff end. was grabbing onto yeah. his leg. So he should have got a half sack, but regardless, he created that. And then the next play, I'm pretty sure it was Huff, who uh, it was the third third and two. I think Allen ran for a conversion. Someone got held and it called it back. I'm pretty sure it was Huff. Um, so those were two big plays. Bills they were just, getting away with holding all game. They I were getting say. away with holding all game. They are holding on for dear life against this defense. They hit line. Garrett Wilson out of bounds. And no the Bills, calls. I
0: mean, they complain. I know the Bills, there were some calls early that the Bills thought they should have gotten, but it's like, I mean, no fan base complains about the refs more than the Bills. I'm sorry. But uh, every tweet I would see, it's like, J- Bills versus the refs. It's like, or that's defensive PI on sauce. It's like just a, a, a they don't understand that face guarding is not a penalty in the NFL. So, yeah. well, I mean, that wasn't even close to pass interference in my eyes.
1: Yeah, and then with Sauce and Reed, I mean, quiet game, which you love. Uh, you look at the receiving numbers for Buffalo. Diggs goes 3 for 37. Davis goes 3 for 31. And that's that's fantastic when you're playing this team. Do uh, we do Alan... we put them
0: in the in the graphic? Do we get a loss in the Sauce graphic this week, or are we too too bummed out for the I loss? I feel like I kind of
1: retired it right now. I haven't done it in a while. Um, maybe I, I, I like should have been. More active, but they're not winning. I I feel like if they're not winning,
0: well, you can you update really it. Do it but... next next win. You can post it with the updated guys.
1: Yeah, that, that that probably makes sense. Maybe I'll just do it at the end of the season. But um,
0: no, no, come on, it's good marketing for Jetax. Come on now. I've already kind of lost <laughs> the momentum. Right? <I'm>... It's okay. <laughs> it'll it'll get retweets regardless. Um, that's true.
1: I don't play for that though. But um, I guess we'll talk about the negatives now because there are quite a few yeah you <laughs> can be my guest. go ahead all right well i mean i guess let's start with one guy who was really frustrating me from the start braxton barrios what's gotten oh. into this guy i mean on the pun returns what were some of the decisions he was making yeah i mean that one that he decided not to field he definitely should have fair caught there's more than he one. let it bounce there are <laughs> multiple of those he should have fair caught and he let it bounce to the goal line, but I think it was the first one where he was inches, maybe even less than that away from touching that ball and giving it away to Buffalo for what probably would have been a touchdown. Um, he was just not making good decision on, decisions on those. And I know it was windy and all that, but I didn't see Buffalo's guy struggling with it. Uh, who's their guy? Heinz. Uh, I, didn't, I see didn't see him struggling. With, I didn't see him struggling with it. So uh, those were bad. And then, there was that pass, at, and he did catch the one wheel route or whatever it was, so I give him credit for that. But there was that red zone play at the end where it looked like he what did it hit him in the face, and he didn't yep. catch it. Hit <laughs> him right in the face. Why are we targeting Barrios in the red zone again? I don't know. They, they got to retire the red know. zone passing. Uh, Just get him package. out off the field in the red zone. Like, I know. Okay. Well,
0: they can. I, I don't mind having him out there for those little jet sweeps, little trick plays, stuff like that, but he should not be the number one target on red zone. In crunch time and back-to-back weeks. It just doesn't – I mean, he's – I just don't understand. And it all goes back to losing Davis is really because – I know it's not like a direct fill-in, but Davis is the guy on third down when they need like a big catch over the middle. That's the guy they go to. And And they're showing that they don't really have a second option when he goes out because Mims hasn't proven that he can do that. You know, Garrett Wilson is fantastic, and he probably can, but he's the number one receiver. He's getting a lot of attention. On those third downs, you need somebody else to step up. Moore has a smaller frame, but I guess he would probably be the guy to go to next. What you really need is one of these tight ends to step up in those situations. You know, that's what you really need. If, if Davis is going to go down, you need a tough catch over the middle, those 50-50 balls, or you're in the red zone. That's where the two tight ends you're paying, you know, eight to $10 million a year for. They should be making those plays, but I don't know if they have the confidence in either one of them or they need to start giving them more opportunities. But, yeah, yeah, the various red zone package has got to be retired in terms of passing plays. Uh, Carter, I think, is another negative. Um, This this is kind of just
1: building upon what's been sort of accumulating for a few weeks now to where Carter's kind of having a um, – Sophomore slump at this point. Sophomore slump. Other than that first Bills game, I mean – What's his signature performance or his signature play this year? they really the hasn't Dolphins, been much modeling, yeah, e- even that was just stealing like Brees Hall's of, touchdowns, yeah, just stealing Brees Hall's touchdowns on the goal line. So, just not the same elusiveness. I think you know, it was compared to Hall, and now compared to it just seems like he's has significantly less burst just hitting the hole and getting down the field. Um, you know, I would. Killer fumble, and this one was that was just heartbreaking because it really felt like they had something going. I mean, you blocked yeah. the punt, you got a drive going. Oh, I wish, I wish Plenty they could pick that punt up for a touchdown,
0: though. Yeah, was I like, know I was hyped, but I was, it was also, I, like,
1: it would have yeah. been great if that could be a touchdown. Well, if, if they
0: punched in the touchdown, then you say, okay, you got nine points instead of just seven. Right. But not. But what happened after the block punt? Did they just go three and out? Did they take a big sack? Is that what happened? The
1: Carter fumbles after the block punt, right?
0: Oh, I'm maybe pretty sure That really... was the ensuing yeah, no, drive. Think... Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was.
1: Carter. Yeah, absolute killer. So um, and look, he doesn't you know fumble that much, I guess. So that's you know, not a recurring problem. He's had a but...
0: few though. I know he had, he had one in preseason. I know it doesn't count, but still. And then didn't he have another one earlier in the year? Or am I? I know never mind. It was Brees against the Ravens. He had a didn't drop Carter? in the end zone. That was the that's what he had, yeah. 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 So
1: yeah, some mistake stockpiling for stockpiling for him, but also goes five carries for five yards and the same game. Knight goes seventeen for seventy-one. So like this has kind of been stacking up, and it happened in the you know we just saw a couple games go. Ty Johnson was able to go
0: off, and like where where's Carter's explosion? So uh,
1: yeah, it's been a disappointing season
0: for him. Yeah, so. you you wonder how much that ankle's bothering him. Yeah, I mean that is the one thing about you know. Not it's not like he was looking great early in the year either, but you don't really know what these guys are, are fighting through. He did have the ankle injury, comes back and plays this game, but yeah, I agree with you. He's he's looked disappointing, and also to the point where you know I know James Robinson was, was inactive, and he also it wasn't like he was looking too hot, but he only really had two games with the Jets. You know, fresh after getting traded for the to them. You know, I thought he had obviously some good moments in that Bills game. Did nothing in the Patriots game. He's a guy that at least in short yardage situations or in the red zone where the Jets have struggled that you can maybe turn to. So I might look at, I'm not saying you deactivate Michael Carter, but maybe you try to get Robinson some of those, those touch. I mean, uh, Knight is your RB one for sure down the stretch. it seems like it was Knight, And then Carter's the third down back, which is a duo that probably works, but you know, it's just, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's early for the, for the James Robinson cries, but that fumble was, was absolutely brutal. There's some other, there were some other, uh, sour notes to talk about uh we can get Let's him talk to about flacco real quick i mean how does okay, flacco yeah. manage to blow an entire game with like <laughs> five plays
1: i mean he comes in and misses an yeah, open seam route to conklin wide open
0: misses that that I, like, I, I get I, it i haven't got if i'm being honest i haven't gone back and watched this one i was a little uh, was it was that yeah, bad
1: like i get it you're off the bench and it's windy whatever but come on like this is what you're 80-year-old backup is supposed to be able to do. Just come in and be reliable. But he does that. Then the next time uh, Mike White gets hurt, first play he comes in and fumbles it. I honestly forget exactly what that play looked like. Again, I haven't rewatched it either. It wasn't uh, too enticing to want to rewatch. Let's be honest. Um, I remember it being kind of bad, though. But uh, I'll have to look at it again. By the way, turns it over. First play coming back in. Next drive goes three and out. Just gross, absolutely gross. So I agree with you. I think it's time to let Zach have that backup job and put him in position to, you know, if Mike White does get hurt, which he might if he continues to get smacked like this, uh, then I think Zach should be that next man up because Flacco is just not giving you a thing. So I would push Zach into that spot.
0: No, Uh, I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, and I hell, even Stravel, a Straveler might give you a better chance to win. Yeah. Flacco. Yeah, I mean that was that was ugly. Um, I like you know, I like Flacco for, for what he brings to the film room, but maybe he's a coach next year. But he yeah he's not, exactly he's not a quarterback anymore
1: using the roster spot to justify like the leadership and stuff like that. You got to be able to bring something to the table as a player. And I know he'd the Cleveland comeback, but just uh, this this is really he didn't have to do anything. In this game, but just hand the ball off, hit one easy throw to Conklin and just, you know, not be terrible for a few plays. And somehow he managed not to do that. So um, but adding to the negatives, I think I think Michael Carter, the second was probably your, uh, one of the top defensive culprits. He had a couple of big penalties. Uh, seemed like he was uh, whenever the Bills had some success. He was kind of at the heart of that. So rare down game for him. He's had a really good season. Um, and then I think, you know, Davis to Mims was a big downgrade. I think, you know, we know Denzel Mims isn't much of a separator and like, we'll have to rewatch the film and confirm it, but there were definitely some situations where it seemed like white wanted to, you know, where they had something downfield that they drew up on a longer distance situation and he, you know, checked the ball down. So we'll just see, you know, maybe something was open and he was passing on those plays, but, I think it seems more likely just based on how reliable white has been with his reads that, you know, just nothing was open. And I think you miss Corey Davis in those situations and Mims probably wasn't doing a great job of separating. So uh, they definitely missed him. And then I think penalties were a big one. A lot of early down penalties that killed drives, put you in first and long and uh, just made it hard for them to get out of that. Cause I think there were, you know, some stretches where they're running the ball pretty well. And, you know, that was how they were getting some successes, getting ahead of the chains, being able to establish the run. But when you get into first, when they got, when they were getting into those, you know, first and twenties, first and fifteens, that's when they ran into some trouble. So penalties were a killer as well. So anything you want to add to the negatives? Did you mention Michael Carter the second?
0: Yeah. 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 Sorry. I was, I was looking at our our notes through here. I, I guess one of the other ones, uh, I, I mean, it's tough. I know it's the annoying post-game pod uh, cliche. We have to watch the All-22. But the offensive line, I don't know who is going to be to blame for a lot of these big hits, Um, but it was not pretty. And I don't know if it was Fant. I don't know if it was combination or miscommunication. There were like a few times where the Bills just – I don't know. It, some of it could even be on Mike white sliding the protection one way. It looks like there are a few times where it's like, you know, McGovern and Thompson might take out one guy and then it looks like it was overloaded on the right side. And either that's just great um, play calling by, by the bills or that could be a mistake on the quarterback. Um, but I, I think that the offensive line in general uh, wasn't good enough to, I mean, they could have won it, but, not what you were really hoping for. Uh, that's what we kind of said going into the game. What was some of the, the best case, worst case? You know, what do the Jets need to do if they want to win this? You mentioned turnovers. That was obviously big. The Jets had a few of their own, and they weren't able to get uh forced Buffalo to, to have any of their own. Uh, and then it was win in the trenches. And I think the Jets did that defensively, but the Bills defensive line definitely also had a a, had a nice day against this Jets line. I thought there were some good plays for sure. Like there were definitely some plays where I thought they gave Mike White plenty of time where they opened up some holes um, but just too many of those free rusher right into Mike White's face. Doesn't have time to do anything. And, you know, when you have a pocket passer, when you don't have a guy out there, who's going to try to make every defender miss, which we were criticizing, not what you want. Um, but when you have a pocket passer, you, you got to give him some time. You got to protect him a little better. Um, but you got to go back. We got to go back and see exactly what it is. I, I, I do want to talk about the tight end. though, cause I don't know if they get enough criticism and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's the floor or if it's the tight ends, but they got to get more involved in this offense. Do you agree with me on that? Or do you think I'm I'm just finding a, a nitpicking here? But it just seems like Conklin was, was having a great off season and he's, he's had some moments this season. Um, but he's been underwhelming to me. And then Uzama, I actually think is in a lot of ways performed when he's been on the field. I know he's had some, like he didn't have a good block in this game and he's had some drops or whatever, but He's actually been actually one of the, the I think he only has had the one drop against Buffalo that popped up in the air and almost got intercepted. But you know both of them have had uh, their moments, but one of them has to take the reins. You know if the Jets are going to do something down the stretch here, because it, it just seems like it's too big a part of the offense when you're trying to run that 12 personnel look those those condensed splits and you know if you lose a guy like Davis and you don't have a tough physical receiver you're confident to throw to over the middle. It just it seems like it limits this offense. What did you make of of Conklin's use on this one? Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that, especially in the red zone.
1: I think there are a lot of better ways to use those Braxton Berrios touches, and I think getting the tight ends involved is is one of those ways you could use it better. Because other than the Patriots' first Patriots game, where Conklin had his two red zone touchdowns, it feels like the tight ends have been non existent in the red zone completely. so um yeah i I guess more red zone would be good to see from them um and just you know more crossing routes for uzama that was something that i think is a good fit for him just try to get him with the head of seam finding finding ways to get uzama the ball in those spots where he could you know just use his athleticism like the uh, route he had against the vikings last week that was a good good dialed up play so more stuff like that for him and then getting conklin that was one weird thing in this game because like i want to see Conklin run some routes and there was that one player where they had usama outside and i think he ran a comeback and they threw it to him that's totally not his game uzama's not a route runner that's one thing he's not good at you know any sort of route that requires creating separation he's not really too good at he's more just like a you know dump off guy or if you could get him on a screen or a crosser or something like that with natural separation he can make plays, but he's not really a route runner, but I think Conklin can win on some of those routes. So not really sure why uh what they were thinking with that one. But uh yeah, I guess there are ways they could get the tight ends more involved. What do you make of LaFleur's performance? Um I mean I think it's kind of hard to judge right now. Uh, we have to
0: sort oh, of watch it and see like
1: no I mean it's it gotta is. give like, something. Like what what, what what am I gonna say here?
0: What? Because like well, they're listening to the Pups Game Pod. You got to give so you we watched the game. I mean, you could have some sort of. I know we did watch the game, but I know there's the qualifying Offensive
1: coordinator is you can't see any of the stuff. Okay, but you can draw some some sort of
0: conclusions from watching it. That's because last year I know there's the qualification. You got to go back. I think it
1: was last week. I think it was easy for us to come on here and say he ran too many trick plays in the red zone, but this week, I don't really think there's that obvious thing that I'm not critical of. So it, I, all right, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really, I can give it, you, can for, give you don't don't two off the top it. of my head. Okay, fine. All right.
0: I'll give you two off the top of my head. I think one, you did see a few times where he schemed guys open. There's one early in the game where Elijah Moore did get open. I think it was on the first drive actually, and white didn't hit him. Um, so there was some good, I do think. And I even saw Dwayne Brown get frustrated and I'm imagining it's, it's about this. Uh, a lot of times on first down the last two weeks, the jets are going with like little swing passes to the running backs or the receivers, basically in, instead of running it, they're trying to get the little quick pass um, game going. And, you know, like I don't actually hate that strategy, but in this game against this B- Bill's defense, they had to run the ball a little bit more on those first downs. I know that, I know they had plenty of, uh, of stuffed runs, but Zonovan Knight was running his tail off at, at other points in this game. And it's like, yeah, the little swing pass to Carter that is losing a yard and then you're in second 11 or best case scenario, they're getting two yards on. It's like, I would rather just run that outside zone offense, give that little stretch play to Donovan night and let him try to go get three, four yards, if not more. So I think that he gets away from the run a little bit too, too early on first downs. It was what I would say, but again, yeah, okay. We got to go back and rewatch it. But on first watch, that was my takeaway. And there was one play where I literally thought that I was like, can we stop with these little first down swing passes instead of just running the ball? Cause I know th- th- it's the same thought process of like, okay, let's just, you know, get ahead of the chains here, you know, not risking an incompletion. It's pretty much just a run. It's just passing to to have a yards after the catch play. And I even saw Dwayne Brown at one point just do the, you know, on the. it seems like the same reaction. It's just you got a guy in Zonovan night, and this is a Bills defense you have to run the football against. Tony Romo was talking about it the entire game, but they play similarly to the Jets. That shell style of defense, two safeties high, you're not going to beat them deep. They're going to limit the explosives, and you got to run. You know, you got to set yourselves up in those second and shorts and third and shorts. And I don't know if I don't know if the floor did as good of a job of staying ahead of the chains in this one. But I do think that he still. It's not like he had an awful game. Like he scheme guys open, um, and I think he you know did some nice stuff. I don't know if I. It's not really. This isn't the floor's call. This is more in Salah and I forget his name. It's like uh, whoever's their game coordinator, S- smash or something. It's Dave, I forget his name. I I'll can't look it help up. You this one. Okay, whatever, but. The decision to kick the field goal in fourth and one at the end of the game, I know that's not Lafleur, but questionable. It helped my parlay because I had the Jets plus the spread, but it did seem like their best chance of winning there was to go it and fourth, you know, try to get a touchdown on drive. They did get the ball back. And you think about that last drive, if they had the ball back there and it's like, Hey, we just need to get to the 40 yard line. Just try to right. get into their lines range. It yep. seems like maybe they could have, you know, well, obviously they didn't get a first down. So, Maybe they wouldn't have done anything, but it seems like that would have been a better situation to be in than hey, you got to go yeah. drive 80 yards and get eight points at the end of the game. It just didn't seem like that was the the smart call there. But that's not really Lafleur. But anyways, any anything to make on what I said about Lafleur and and you know not doing a, a good enough job of setting the Jets up in, in those second and third and short situations, and then the decision at the end of the game to to go or to to kick the field goal.
1: No, I mean I guess what what I'm going to go with. For Lafleur, for Lafleur, right now, is that I think he was okay. I think this had more to do with bad blocking and separation than uh, play calling. Not to say he's completely absolved, but I think it was. Uh, I don't think I don't know if this was one of the games where I think he wasn't that good because, like last week, we said, you know, or, or I said, you know, I think you look at the Jets' production and a lot of that was. Just really good execution. Like, you know, Mike White making big throws, Garrett Wilson, big yak, uh, Zonovan Knight, breakout run, more so than it was consistent, good scheming. Although there was good scheming, you don't get 486 yards without it. But, um, you know, I think that would, was what I went with the last game. This one, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see more. But as of right now, watching the first time, I was like, you know, there there's some chances here. It just isn't being blocked well. So I'll go with that. Uh, and then, the fourth and one, I agree. I think the right move is probably to, to go for it because I, I get the, the thought process of, you know, if we go for it, we don't get it. The game's over. Um, so let's just take the field goal and keep ourselves alive. But, like, you have to get the two scores. You have to get a touchdown at some point. So your choices for getting that touchdown are, let's try to get it right now when we've just one yard to go. They're going to give it to us for free because there's no way they're going to risk you scoring on that play um so it's basically a free yard you get you got a few yards to go to score the touchdown and then when you get the ball back later it subtracts what like 40 yards that you have to get to, um to the yeah. point where you need because because like you said you get the ball back and you just need a field goal so knowing greg the leg and it, it was tough conditions but uh, he's kicked through that this season Um, you probably have to get to like the 40. So that's, you know, 40 less yards you have to get to. Changes the whole way the defense plays it um, because maybe they play for the field goal range and you could take shots. It opens up a lot more. So uh, it's, yeah, that's kind of the conservative play. The more, I guess, old school minded play, like, all right, let's get the field goal. Let's keep ourselves alive here. But uh, yeah, you're a few yards away from the touchdown that you have to get at some point. You got to try to go get it right now and then make it easier for uh, for yourself when you ideally get it back later so I don't think that was the right play but definitely didn't
0: lose them the game okay I know what your answer is gonna be offensive line was there anybody that stood out to you on first watch um, in a bad way and I know we may have a vested interest here because we have a scheduled interview this week we'll see if it still happens but
1: um, I mean I I don't know. I feel like this might have been one of those games where it was a lot of communication stuff, you know, more so than it was like I, I, someone was getting beat clearly a lot or at least multiple people. But it was definitely one of those where it was like there were a lot of free rushers coming in and it's, you know, more so than one on one losses. It's like, all right, why are we not picking these guys up? Why are they why are there linebackers running free through the A gap with a full head of steam? So it was. It felt like one of those kind of games, more so than getting manhandled. But it was definitely a little bit of both. Um, I don't. I, to be completely honest, I wasn't totally paying attention to the individual O, o linemen to really the, see the, who the, was the getting pickle destroyed. Pants, the pickle
0: pants were distracting you.
1: It was very, very distracting. I, is that and distracting is that worth- in, in a good way? Just because I love them so much. That's how good they were. Gross. But
0: are you, <laughs> do, you, do you, that you think that's the reason they lost? <laughs>
1: No, I mean, black, the Black Pants kind of wore off with the last two they games. Could have gone, so. They could have gone all
0: white. I, you know, it wasn't a terrible look. All right, it's too early for the I, th- I think it was Part okay. Oh, yeah, too, too early for that. But, Probably too early. It but, wasn't t- such a bad look. It, again, this is the, my thesis on uniforms. If you win, they look great, and if you lose, they look terrible. It, it so. definitely affects it, because I
1: remember when they were 5-0 and oh in the White and Blacks or whatever it was, I remember making you a uniform ranking and putting that number one. And then after they lost a couple games, I started looking at them, and I'm like, wait, why did I think this was the best one? That's clearly <laughs> not the best one. So it definitely has that bias, success bias. Do you want to talk about uh, Carl Lawson? Yeah, I mean, I he's a interesting topic right now. I feel like in this game he was, it was really visible how many opportunities he was getting, just one-on-one against Deion Dawkins, who's a really good tackle, but, I mean, Lawson's paid to be a really good edge rusher, and it's just, I don't know what it is with him, because it's easy to use that excuse of, like, he's still trying to get back from the injury. You know, maybe he's not 100%, but he looks explosive. He gets off the line good. hes I think he's still second in the average get-off time in terms of how quickly he crosses the line of scrimmage um he gets good push but it's like i feel like all he ever does is just bull rush guys he doesn't really have he's not chaining moves he can't get off the block like there were multiple times in this game where he just pushes his guy past the quarterback and kind of gets stuck and can't really get off of the block so i don't know i felt like in 2020 with the Bengals when we were watching some of his film and seeing what he would bring to the Jets it was like all right he's got you know he's got some inside spin moves He's got some arm over, some uh, swim moves that he'll use sometimes. Uh, just He had different moves in his toolbox. He had, he had a, uh, did I say he had a spin move? But uh, yeah. either way, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the spin is something he used a lot. Um, he had sort of uh, like an outside jab step, and he, he would come back inside. Um, and then, like I said, he had sort of a spin, uh, swim move as well. So there's some moves in his toolbox, but now I feel like all it is is just bull rush, bull rush, bull rush. I don't really see him throwing any moves and you need to have those moves to get off the block and actually make plays like Bryce Huff does. I mean, he's been so good at just, you know, not only getting off the line quickly, but it's like, he's able to defeat the guy's hands so he could get through them and actually make a play in the quarterback. Whereas Lawson, I feel like, you know, he, he's not getting destroyed. It's not like he's getting locked up and held at the of scrimmage. Like he gets deep into the backfield, but he doesn't turn it into anything. So uh, yeah. And, At this point, I'm pretty disappointed with him this season. And that's not to say he's bad. I guess he's been solid. But, um, you know, that's not what he's being paid to be. And it's not what he showed he was capable of in his last season with the Bengals. So uh, looking at his contract going forward, I mean, and the pipeline the Jets have, I think we are heading towards a scenario where the Jets probably cut ties with him and allow Bryce Huff and Jermaine Johnson to take the reins over there. But, uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Let's just hope over these next four games that he could, uh, Carl Lawson could start putting it together a little more consistently.
0: Yeah. We, we talked about it the last two weeks, how he's throughout his entire career had great ends to seasons. Yeah. Um, he's a great December player, Uh, you know, even last week, you know, he had the the sack and, you know, he makes those pressures. It just seems like he's not like disengaging with blocks. A lot of times he gets run up, run up the arc, he, you compared him to he's just kind of like a big bulldozer. Like he just kind of comes in, wrecking yeah. ball, as hard as the, the better yeah. to put it. Yeah. You know, just a big wrecking ball comes through, maybe gets some push, but he's not disengaging with the block. He's not chaining any moves together. He's leaving wide open lanes for the quarterback to run up into. um Yeah. He's, you know, I, he's a good player. It's not like he's a bad football player. You know, this isn't a Kenny Galladay situation. It's just $15 million, a position the Jets have a pipeline at, and a position the Jets will probably keep adding to. You know, it's, who's to say the Jets won't draft another edge or defensive lineman in day one or day two next year, if, if they let Carl Lawson go, and it's just fifteen million for that. They can free it up with the trader or, or cutting him. I just I don't see him next here next year unless he he really goes off towards the end of the season. Corey Davis, on the other hand, similar situation where you know if they cut him, they can free up ten million. So that's twenty five million between the both of them. I just don't see the Jets keeping both of them. I think somebody's got to go, maybe even both. But Davis at ten million for what he brings you and how important he is to this offense, you could stomach a ten million dollar contract. And also, I think somebody would even trade for Davis at ten million. If you look at the the money that receivers get around the league, that's not an overpay. Yeah, maybe he, you know, another production because he's been injured and and the quarterback plays have been great isn't really there. But he's been a damn good receiver for this team this year. He's worth that ten million in my eyes. But you could, I could still understand the Jets moving on from him and drafting another guy to try to do those things that he brings. But Davis at ten million. Is easier to stomach than than lawson at 15 the way that he's playing and they're both good players but yeah anyway that, as you said that's that's a conversation for, for another day um i'm trying to think if there's anything else i mean quinnum not too much to say looked great looked dominant goes down i had a bad feeling entering this one about i was like i just have a feeling the jets are gonna lose somebody in this one um fortunately say it's a calf injury and a lot, sometimes when they say calf, that means Achilles, but they don't want to say Achilles yet. And we but don't then, have injuries go with the Jets, you know. Right. Ten but days then, becomes ten months. Becomes well, but ten even years. but I will say even the fact that they said that there's hope for him to play next week means that it is a calf, right? right. I mean, again, knock on wood, we'll see. what everything says, we all says tomorrow, but it seems like it is a calf. It's not an ACL. It's not anything with the knee. Um, so even if it's a calf strain and he misses. The next two games and he doesn't come back until seattle or you know the next week or whatever it's like it does seem like the jets aren't gonna lose him for the year which if they lost him for the year i don't know how deep of a playoff run this team makes if they even make the playoffs he's that i mean he's he is a defensive you, you player you can see it in here. this game you can yeah, see he, it in this game when he went out i mean
1: overall defense did a good job but i mean most of that effort is the first 29 minutes or whatever it was uh but he goes out and just so you can see, it's a lot softer to get through that middle of the defense.
0: Well, and that's also when talking about Carl Lawson making fifteen. That's why you're paying Carl Lawson those fifteen million a year. It's because it's to finish those sacks. It's it's like Quinnen Williams has been that guy. He's been the finisher for them, which is kind of rare for an interior defensive. line. Normally, it's the interior defensive lineman who's the pressure maker, and then the edge guy gets all those sacks. But Quinnen has been, you know, he's gotten some cleanup sacks, but he's also just he's so powerful. Um, and he just pushes the pile, and he, he finishes sacks. And when they lost that, yeah, they, they were still creating that the push up front, but they didn't have that guy to finish. And it wasn't Carl JFM. I think has had a good year, and I think he'll be here next year. Not to get too far. I I, I did a lot of contract research this this uh, this week. I think he'll be here next year, but I think JFM gets traded the year after that. But regardless, um, again, another conversation for a different day. But they different don't year, they, yeah, for a different year exactly. <laughs> I don't think Quinnen – yeah, also, way too early to say it I? If JFM goes off the next year, then probably not. But I don't think that that Quinin um going out sunk them as much as I thought it would. Like they, they still did get pushed, they still were okay in the run game, they still did get some sacks. Sheldon Rankins filled in okay, and you know, I like Tanzel Smart. I he, I don't think he played in this one, but they have him. Um, but he's just so damn good. And losing him, you know, the fact that he it seems like he's going to be okay, or that that he should return this season, was uh, makes this loss easier to stomach. Yes. Which I think is again the third time I've said that. This yeah, month. but would, like that was if, no, if that was a serious injury, I mean, I would yeah, be coming be on pretty, here with all I those I don't think you'd be coming on here at midnight uh, to do this pod. Yeah, I mean, I'd be pretty boned about that. But it seems like you know, it seems like White and Quinton should be okay. And if that's the case, it's like all right, the Jets have a quarterback. They yet again show that can beat anybody in the league. I do believe the Jets can go into Buffalo in January and beat the bills. I think you saw that in this game, Um, but it is also hard not to feel like, oh, the jets have blown some games this year that they definitely should have or could have won. They've they've won some games happens every year where you win some, you should win or shouldn't win. And then you lose some, you should win, but it's getting to the point where the jets have lost more games that they should have won, then have won more games that they should have lost. You know, it's like the Cleveland yeah. game was definitely a miracle. Yeah. You could argue the Steelers game was a bit of a, a, I don't even want to call it a gift. It was a well-earned comeback. Um, outside of that though, it's like those Patriots games and the Vikings game and this game, all games where you feel like the Jets had their opportunities to win the game and they, they let it slip through their, their fingers. So that part is tough to stomach for sure. But you know, playoffs start this week. You know, if they were gonna make a run, starts now. They got to win these games. They the task is still in front of them. I, in a way, they still control their own destiny. I don't see them. If they win out, they're making the playoffs. And even if they win three of the four, I think they have a good shot at making the playoffs, or at least having that opportunity um, at the end, last week of the season. So, you know, this is what we wanted. So it's it, you know, these two games were losses. So it's hard to be like happy after them. But they were also, you didn't want to see the Jets go out there and get blown out. And they didn't do that. Not that the bar should be that low, but just I don't know. They they've proven they can beat anybody. It's just now now yeah. it's gotten to the point where it's like yeah. they have to take care of business. They have no more losses that dispensable losses, you know. They right. have to beat the Lions. Yeah, that, that's they a good have way to beat to put the Jaguars.
1: It. Yeah. Yeah, they I think that's a good way to put it. They kind of used up the dispensable losses, which you know, you would have liked to have some of those going down the stretch here because it's the NFL and you could lose any game. But I think the way you put it at the top of this podcast is the best way to put it. I think if, if you're a playoff team, then you should sweep two home games against teams with losing records. I don't care how they're playing recently. If you're going to the playoffs, you win those two games in a five day span and you turn your season around and then you go to Seattle and you beat a team when a win at a stadium that the Panthers and Raiders were just able to win at. So, um, yeah, I think if you're a playoff team, regardless of the tough losses recently, I think you still have everything right in front of you. So, um, yeah, I think this is a good time maybe to talk about some of the playoff scenarios, some of the things that
0: have played out. So, go ahead let's the, let's set the scene. set the scene, Michael. Set the scene. Let's set it up. Let's see if we um, can make this slightly more interesting than the last time. I'll try to. I'll try yeah, to. That very engage <laughs> it very engaging. Yeah. Okay. So obviously, the
1: Chargers Dolphins game is the big thing. For the jets this week or this sunday patriots game is obviously huge tonight um but i was rooting for the dolphins to win that i think most of us were and should have been because i think that would have been the preferable outcome because you know the chargers are the team on your tail and you would like to still have that possession of that spot and control of your own destiny right now and you know just have the cushion to where you know if we fall on our face and the team behind us, they're still behind us. So I think that cushion is important, but now the chargers get that win uh, right now. They have a half game advantage in the conference record. So they have the tiebreaker over the jets as of right now. And it's also worrisome because the chargers have a soft schedule to finish this season, uh, home against the Titans who do not look good recently. Then at the Colts home against the Rams at the Broncos, very winnable, Baker Mayfield,
0: come on, you know, like Derrick Henry. There's – I mean, maybe there's some upsets there. Chargers aren't – yeah, I know what you're saying, but they can lose some of these games. Yeah, the silver lining.
1: Jeff Saturday magic, we're going to have to hope (laughs) for it. But um, the silver lining is that, you know, the Dolphins now are dragged into this wild card mix because now they're playing Buffalo on Saturday. And if they lose – uh, I know we just brought up Jeff Saturday, and I'm bringing up Saturday. So some Saturday magic is what we're going to need um, in both Boo. In two ways. Boo. That was deserving. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if the Dolphins lose to Saturday, lose to Saturday, lose on Saturday Jeez. to the Bills. It's I'm totally in your defense. Yeah. We're, it's actually it's one. We, had, we said saying? the scene, and I'm totally botching this play. The tomatoes are coming on the stage yeah. at this point. Um, but so the Dolphins lose to the Bills on Saturday. Now you're looking at them at 8-6, and uh, eight and, six. and so the Jets can win on Sunday. Then you tie the Dolphins, and you have that tiebreaker, and you can pass them. So, you know, that's a silver lining. I would have preferred the Chargers to lose that game, but uh, now the Dolphins are in this mix here. So, basically, if you could stay within one game of the Dolphins going into Week 18, you got a shot to get in that's that's as long as both the Patriots and the Chargers don't pass the Jets and Dolphins by that point, which I don't anticipate that happening, but it could. Um, but as long as the Jets stay within a game of the Dolphins now going into week 18, they're going to have a shot. If they can win that game and the way the Dolphins look recently, Jets can absolutely do that, especially considering how they played. Jets are a damn good team. Like,
0: like it's not like, the thing that these last two losses have at least proven to me is the jets are are for real they're a damn good team and they definitely should should go out there and take care of business against the lions jags and seahawks i don't have the same level of fear as maybe i would with some other more mediocre jets teams that have head into they honestly there haven't been many as of late but that would head into the, the end of the season it's like okay maybe if they can sneak this out um they can make a playoff run it's like this is a team that the chiefs should be scared about in January. This is a team that the bills should be scared about. in Jan- like, they can play with anybody. It's just, you know, these last two games, the, the, the ball didn't go their way and they didn't capitalize on their opportunities, but it's like the way that Mike white has played these last few weeks and the type of defense that they have and the playmakers that they have specifically Garrett Wilson. And now I can, even you could say Bam Knight. this is a damn good football team. This is a team that deserves to be in the playoffs. And it's like, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen because they have three winnable games right on their plate, right in front of them. And they just take care of business. At the very least, they'll enter that Miami game with a win and in shot. If not already, you know, could clinch it on other scenarios. So it's like, just take care of business. You know, I don't know. I'm not as, if they lose one of these other ones, you know, I'll come crashing back down to earth with my negative Jets takes. But it's like, the mission's still the mission. Job's right in front of them.
1: Yeah, I think that five-day stretch next week is going to tell us a lot. If you could wake up on Friday, Christmas Eve Eve, and the Jets are nine and six, I think you feel really good about uh, how this is all going to pan out. But if they're eight and seven at that point, I mean, seven and eight speaks for itself. We don't even have to discuss what that would mean. But if you're eight and seven, like you lost one of these two games, whether that's you lose to the Lions and then you rebound the Jaguars or vice versa, 8 and seven's a tough spot to be in if you wake up on Friday. Probably not having to sweep those two games despite having lost a home game to one of these two teams. That's not a good spot. But if you could turn the whole thing around in that five-day span there, two home games, two teams you're better than. Um, I think you wake up on Friday going to Christmas Eve, Eve, feeling really good about yourself. So they got a chance here to turn around like you said if it's if it's meant to be for this team for them to be a playoff team uh even if that's not a playoff team that makes a huge run but just a playoff team um, regardless i think it's the stage is still set
0: for them to do it all right i guess we, we can wrap it up there it is 1 15 in the morning um you can follow cyj pod on twitter michael michael underscore Nania. My personal Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com, best place to go for Jets content. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes for this podcast. Subscribe to the Jettax Factor YouTube. We, you know We're on the video. We're up in the production quality in this podcast. We're going to try to get Michael a, a better lighting system, though. You looked like you were on the <laughs> sun in the last episode. Um, I think that's it. Any, any last thoughts, Michael?
1: White on green is pretty good. I mean, don't have to overanalyze <laughs> it. If you just separate what, it from what, the result. Which I you think we gotta try to do a better. What do, job think they, what do you
0: think they go with next week? Go on. I'm green going on. green.
1: Up. I don't think it'll be green on green.
0: I'm going really? green on green. Yeah. White socks, green socks. These are the important topics. This is this is why they come here. This is what the listeners want. Green. I think green. Yeah, I think they're White prepping up, prepping us. You think so? Yeah. I think they're prepping us for it with this game. Well, the, the doors the doors have been open now that they're wearing the pickle pants. They can truly go with any combo yeah. now. I, th- I think that's what they were doing
1: with this game. They wanted to just get your
0: eyes ready right for what's about to come. We are still a green team, believe it or not. All right. Let's let's get out of here, Michael. Uh thank you everybody for listening. Uh hopefully the Jets didn't ruin your weekend. Oh, they should quickly
1: I mean they are two and zero with green on green with Green Sox, right? Steelers, Browns in twenty twenty. Steelers were were White two Sox, games Right? Oh Steelers was Whites. Browns and Saints. Ah, uh, right. Forgot so the they're Saints one and game. one. So, never mind. Had there weren't any other White Sox with green on green
0: other than Steelers? The Greg Williams zero blitz game, the uh, yeah. Buccaneers that was game, a win, though. Yeah, <laughs> that was te- that was honestly that was a win. Um, the Buccaneers game last year. Um, there's definitely some other That's ones. True. I, I guess their best that. uniform. The, see- is the still Seeing though. Ghost game, that super great memorable oh, green right. on green game. Yeah, I think all black is still their best record. Yeah.
1: For a uniform. uh, White on black is the best. Uh, Other than that,
0: black pants, that's the key. Yeah. We need our lucky pants. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. Uh, We'll be back. We'll see. We have an interview scheduled with George Fant for for Tuesday. So that interview should be coming Wednesday, but, you know, never know. Um, Regardless, we'll have a preview pod coming out on Friday talking about the Lions game. What a big podcast that'll be. Very excited about that one. Michael, thanks for for coming on here at 1 a.m. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great week. Go Jets.